Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Series podcast, and this is our review of Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 4, The Last of the Starks. to another edition of Next Best Series, part of the Next Best Picture podcast, where we discuss television. This week, we are discussing Game of Thrones, Season 8, Episode 4, titled The Last of the Starks. This episode is directed by David Nutter and written by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Here to join me for this podcast review, I have Will Mavity. Hello, hello. Dan Bayer. Hello, everyone. And Cody Derricks. Hi. Okay, so... I normally start us off by, you know, opening up with a little bit of an intro and asking you guys what you all thought about the episode, but I'm actually going to take a few seconds here to just start us off with this. Will, for a while now, you and I have been going back and forth about the quality of Game of Thrones post-season five, and I have been a pretty big defender of the show's mistakes in the past even with some things this season. Unless if the final two episodes of this season pull off a Battle of the Bastards, Winds of Winter-like combo ending, I think season eight is going to be regarded as the worst season of Game of Thrones. And I will fully admit, I think it is for a good reason. And it has nothing to do with expectations versus reality or some of the other things that I've heard people complain about. No, this is actual legitimate criticisms that is based within logic that for the life of me, I cannot believe that David Benioff and D.B. Weiss somehow were able to get some of these things through. And no, I'm not just referring to a Starbucks coffee cup that lands in a scene somewhere in this episode. There are other things that I will bring up in this review that just completely have me scratching my head and wondering so much about just the general trajectory of this show and also, too, what this has probably meant for David and Dan throughout the entire show's run. Because what I keep reminding myself is that they didn't sign on 12 years ago to write the ending to Game of Thrones. They signed on to adapt George R. R. Martin's books. And this is finally, finally like the point where it is so clear that they've just run out of book material or any notes from George and any notes they've received are just probably skeletons or bullet points that are just so minimal at this point that they really have to fill in the gaps. And 
I don't want to come off like too, too negative right off the bat with this, but I do want to just acknowledge this because, uh, God damn it, man, you and I have bumped heads so much in the past over this stuff. And I, and I just got to give not credit where credit's due, but just acknowledgement about this. I think I finally reached my breaking point. I appreciate that. And I, I think you're not <laughs> alone in that sentiment. My concern is that the direct, some of the things that are happening here in hindsight may damage previous seasons of the show, too, because the payoffs end up being so weak that it makes you wondering, okay, why did we spend so much time doing this, et cetera, et cetera, too. But yeah, I mean, as Matt said, I, I've never been quiet about my frustrations in the last couple of seasons with the writing, and I am right there with you that it is more evident than ever. I don't think that a flip switch suddenly flipped between last season and this season. I think those flaws were evident last season as well. And I think Cody, would I have your support on that too? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, 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 I think Will and I are in agreement about how the first two episodes of the season made us feel in regards to like how it was going to seemingly recover in our opinion from the last season, especially episode two. So this episode kind of has just been indicative, was just indicative of the kinds of criticisms I've had of it for the past two years, you know, since season yeah. seven. It, it, you know, between characters behaving in ways that don't make sense and really weird, uh, illogical plot moments and incredibly, incredibly uh, varied in the wrong way moments of pacing and distance and time and travel. And it's just, it's not surprising to me, unfortunately, but it is surprising in the sense that we're this late into not just the season, but the show as a whole. And this is still how they're treating episodes. And I, and I just want to point out that there are some elements of this episode that I genuinely did like that on a first viewing, sure. I actually tweeted out, I think I messaged all of you saying that I thought this was an absolutely excellent episode. And part of that was just because when I'm watching this, I'm usually watching it with like 10 or more people in a room. We're all very into it and we get like kind of caught up in the emotion of it all. And in these final episodes of the season, you can't help but feel that degree of emotion. And it's not until like my rewatch where I'm watching it alone, where I, you know, am then writing the notes for this podcast that I start to say to myself things like, why did they all of a sudden decide to change Gendry's last name or, you know, just silly, stupid things like that? And it really, really has begun to bother me. I defended last week's episode uh, while also acknowledging uh, definite criticisms about the episode and also acknowledging criticisms that I thought were very highly subjective and weren't necessarily warranted. I think this week, maybe even more so than last week, uh, the criticisms are more highly evident uh there's a lot to go go on about with this episode uh, this was another almost 90 minute long episode so uh i want to get into it we can go by scene by scene like we normally do and so let's start off at the very beginning uh we open up outside the gates of winterfell where all of the bodies from the previous battle are being burned by those who survived danny whispers something to jorah that we can't hear sansa cries and puts a stark symbol on theon john makes a passionate speech for the dead sam burns ed john burns liana Arya burns Beric, sansa burns theon and daenerys burns jorah as everyone says goodbye this was a great opening scene <laughs> yeah agreed I was the glad to see Ghost was there and alive. The scope and scale of it was really impressive. Even though I have to admit, a part of me did wonder, 
were there enough bodies as the last episode made it out to be? Because uh, it seemed to me like more people actually died. Um, and also, too, how many days after the battle was this? Because I was trying to figure out how did they clear all of the bodies of the dead and then also put together all these funeral pyres and stuff. But this is all stuff I can overlook. All right. This is not stuff that bothers me. And I think that's like the kind of logistical stuff that people are nitpicking with this show in its final season. But that's something that I'm totally OK with. You know, I'm loving Raman Jawadi's musical cue here. Like that was great. And that actually, that elicited a tremendous amount of emotion from me in this opening scene. I was on the verge of tears uh, during this scene. It was really well staged and well crafted. Um, I didn't have such an issue with the number of people because like there were lots of those funeral pyres and lots of bodies on them. If you look, Um, I think they did a good job of selling the scale of the losses of their armies. Um, I, I, <laughs> I didn't even, it didn't bother me, you know, thinking about like how they, you know, cleaned up and how long it had been, blah, blah, blah. I think that's just sort of a general TV problem. We never see that sort of thing. So I, for me, suspension of disbelief on that was really agreed. Um, another thing too, I also want to bring up about the scene. I'll ask each one of you. I don't know if either one of you had a chance to think about this, uh, but Amelia Clark or was it Ian Glenn? No, I think it was Ian Glenn. He said in an interview that uh, what Daenerys whispers to Jorah is something between Amelia and him, and he will never reveal what it is. So Game of Thrones gets its own lost in translation moment. So for the listeners to the podcast here, Cody, I'll ask you first. What do you think Danny said to Jorah? Oh, geez. Oh, geez. I didn't do my homework. Uh, come back to me. I'm, 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 I'm calling myself. You know what? Maybe that's what she said. Come back to me. <laughs> oh, yep. That's what I meant. That's what I was saying. <laughs> All right. Well, what about you? I, you know, I mean, it was probably just something like, thank you for everything or thank you for always believing in me. There, there is a 0% chance it was any kind of romantic declaration because she was, she just never felt that for him. So, you know, it was just probably something like, I miss you or thank you. Dan? Um, yeah, I was going to say something along the lines of like, you will be avenged, but they've kind of already done that because the, the night King and white walkers and zombies are all dead. So, um, yeah, something along the lines of like, um, you know, like saying that all he's meant to her over the years while not saying, I love you. I'd like to think that she leaned in and she said to him, you'll always be my best friend. (laughs) And I just was like, oh, in, oh like in, in the friend zone, even in death. <laughs> she said, I am inevitable. <laughs> oh, no. It's like from the movie Avengers Endgame. She like leaded the Jorah and stole John's line for ghosts. You've always been a good boy. <laughs> oh, man. So, Dan, I want to also just acknowledge something that you also just said there, too, about the Army of the Dead in the sense that um, my prediction for this episode came true in the sense that it's very clear now the structure for this final season. First three episodes were basically one story arc. The last three episodes are another story arc. And I guess the unifying story arc through it all is John and Danny. Um, but it ultimately feels like the final season is basically you could boil it down to th- two movies, essentially one about the living versus the dead and then the other about the living versus Cersei. I like that you separate out Cersei from the living mm-hmm. because I don't think she really is living. Oh, 
Ooh, I like that. Well, I'm living for her. Did anybody else, I saw a lot of people on the internet uh, talking about this. Did anybody have an issue of John's speech in like the way he was just delivering it was all? Because I saw a lot of people bring up that like his Norvin accent was very shaky during this scene. I don't think Kit Harrington has ever been one of the strongest actors on the show. Yeah. And this was just kind of par of the course for any of his big moments. Yeah. I do like the tie into uh, the Night's Watch and how the purpose of the Night's Watch was to guard the realms of men against whatever was beyond the wall. And that is ultimately what everybody in this battle truly did. So using like those words in the speech made a lot of sense to me, even though David and Dan, I feel like instead of writing their own lines of dialogue they tend to be referencing old dialogue from previous seasons a little too much lately yep but this is one of those instances where i felt like it actually worked so all right next scene inside the winterfell halls there is a feast going on to mourn and celebrate gendry is wondering where Arya is uh when he and then he gets up to go look for her Danny sees him and decides to name him Gendry Baratheon in the Lord of Storm's End, which is seen as a political maneuver to win favor with the North, which Sansa notices. Everyone rejoices the new Lord of Storm's End. Brienne and Jaime agree to drink together. Davos talks to Tyrion about Melisandre, her death, and how he wanted to kill her, but ultimately how he never understood the Lord of Light or his purpose. Tyrion walks over to Bran and remarks on his uh, wheelchair and how it's better than the saddle he made for him a few years ago. Bran says it's based off of Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, sorry, um, Daron Targaryen's model he made for his cripple for his crippled nephew t- 120 years ago. And Tyrion remarks that Bran will be the Lord of Winterfell someday, but Bran doesn't want it, or rather, he doesn't want any more. Tyrion envies him, but Bran says he shouldn't because he mostly lives in the past. For the sake of uh, bullet point conversations here, I'm going to split up this very, very large uh, feast scene into sections here. So we'll just start off with uh, this section first. What do we all think of Daenerys uh, naming Gendry the Lord of Storm's End and officially a Baratheon? I quite like this part because it was kind of indicative of what the show does best, which is commenting on real world politics, especially in olden times and how arbitrary they can be. And in this scene where she arbitrarily says, hey, I'm not a bastard anymore because I said so. It just, like, is a nice reflection of, you know, kind of how the actual real world works. Did anybody, though, catch, and uh, I don't know, Will, if you caught it, did you notice that he, he was referred to uh, as Gendry Rivers as opposed to Gendry Waters? Yeah, like, do we just chalk this up to D&D not fact-checking with somebody who's read the fucking books? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, keep in mind, this is not the first time they uh they misremembered when they were talking about Stannis uh, burning idols when you meet him. They said he was burning prisoners alive, which they themselves filmed with him not burning prisoners alive. Right. I mean, they, they do forget their own stuff sometimes. So is Rivers slash Waters, is that mentioned in the TV show or is that just a book thing? I can't remember. No, no, no. So like in this episode and, and not in this scene, it, it's later when Gendry's talking to Arya, but I'm just bringing it up now because it literally was something that drove me freaking nuts. Gendry no, Rivers totally. is a bastard yeah. surname given to um, bastards that uh, were born in the Riverlands, in the Riverlands. and Waters right. is for King's Landing. 
Okay, but has that ever been like specifically distinguished in the TV show itself? Because I don't remember that. No, well, they, me, me they said where you because like the, the sand snakes are called sand because that's what you call bastards there. Jon Snow and uh, Ramsay Snow were because they're in the north. So like this whole naming your bastards based on where they're from trope did exist in the show. No, yes. yeah, I know. But, I get that. But again, I just mean, like specifically yeah. rivers versus waters. No, that, that's that. never been brought yeah. up actually. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. It's never been brought up in the show. So it doesn't bother me. It and just also, seemed like a weird thing. Even if it had been, even if it had been brought up in the show, remember Danny didn't grow up in Westeros. So I think that's a mistake that totally makes sense. But Gendry calls himself yeah. rivers. Oh, Gendry does call himself wizard. Yeah. Oh, well, in that case, well, whatever. I think it's just a sloppy mistake. The, the only thing that bothers me about the scene, uh, just once again, I really wish that instead of it being a purely political maneuver, um, I would have liked to have heard a little bit of acknowledgement about how he made all the dragon glass, and without him, they probably would not have stood a chance. Like, you know, like give context as to why. Instead, she's harping on about, you know, your father tried to have me killed. And it's like, Danny, like, why are you... But you're not doing yourself any favors right now with the normal. I mean, well, it's just no, a power move. It's exactly, a show. Yeah, that was like, exactly the point. She's showing that she can, you know, make peace with someone who was, quote unquote, her enemy. We only make peace with our enemies. That's why it's called making peace. Right, how benevolent of her. I think it was actually very savvy of her. And I think that it wasn't necessary for her to, like, I kind of liked that she didn't have to spell out, like, and you made all these weapons because we've seen it. You know, we don't need to add that everyone knows okay you know that doesn't need to be added i, I also watched the on a, on a rewatch i watched the episode with closed caption on <laughs> and there's one uh off-screen northerner who says uh, a line that showed up on my subtitles and it said that's easy isn't it oh yeah <laughs> and i i died laughing when i read that i'm like somebody like probably ab-libbed that line like oh see she could just name him <laughs> no longer a bastard <laughs> Oh, man. And speaking of doing things pretty easily, uh, how did we all feel about the Lord of Light essentially being written off of the show with this conversation between Tyrion and Davos? Is he, though? Yeah, they don't have time to... I don't think they have time. You know, people keep being like, oh... Uh, no, they're going to explain what Bran was doing when he was warging. And, oh, no, we're going to get the Lord of Light. I don't think they have time. You know, in the same way, like... When they wrote, just the way they kind of wrote out Grayscale, because they didn't know what else to do with it. I mean, like... This is how I've made peace with it. I understand that maybe, and I don't know if this is true, but maybe in the books, maybe, we'll get some sort of an explanation. I don't think so, because I I, I can see why people would get angry at this scene, because there's been so much buildup with it, right? But I like the explanation of, you know what? Maybe we're not supposed to understand it because isn't that like the basis for all religion in the first place anyway? We're not meant to understand it. We're just supposed to believe and you can choose to believe or not to believe and that's it. That's what it all boils down to. I I do wish the scene was written a little bit more poignantly to drive that point home. Instead, it did feel like, all right, we just need Davos to acknowledge that. He doesn't understand why any of it ever happened. And Tyrion just says, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll never understand. You know? <laughs> and, you know, and that's that. Um, and to your point also, Will, about last episode, I've also come to peace, even though I, I kind of hate it. I've come to peace with the fact that while Bran was warging, he was luring the Night King in, which because I was hoping for an explanation this episode. And I guess it's never coming. And so my only explanation is he was luring the Night King in while he was warged. 
And that doesn't make sense to me because we already know the Night King can find him through through the touch on his arm. So, I, you know what? Last week's episode was divisive for a different re- for a different number of reasons. This week's episode has its own reasons. But uh, the other thing too, Tyrion talking to Bran. Are we gonna get any explanation about what they talked about in episode two when everybody left the room? But uh, there was an explanation. Tyrion wanted to hear Bran's story. He wanted to hear what happened to him. That's what they talked about. But how does that move the plot forward? Exactly. It doesn't. That's why they didn't show it. (laughs) But it just seems like it's something that you could just cut out then. Matt, they've been doing stuff like that. They did it all. They kept complaining about it last season. Like half of what they talked about when they went north of the wall before the actions. I don't know. No, I still maintain that was character building. But but this, though, Tyrion saying, you have an interesting story to tell. I'd love to hear it. And then they cut. What does he learn in that conversation? Uh, And if it's just that's not learns what we already know. And it's like just saying that. Yeah, but why do we even have the buildup to that What Bran is. Why? But we know what Bran is. We know what Bran can do. What did even the 30 seconds of Tyrion asking, I want to hear all about this, add to his character so, or the story. It just so that's basically how I feel that about Tyrion knows. I know, but why is that important? Unless if unless if there's something still to come between Bran and Tyrion. I- I'm doubtful at this point, but if there is something else to I mean, come. We don't have time. Exactly. <laughs> we don't have time for that. So now when he's bringing up uh here, you know, about his wheelchair, and I, I like that it calls back to the saddle. That's fine. Okay. That's okay. But once again, I'm still just trying to figure out what is the connection between these two characters other than that and how is this driving the plot forward other than, to your point, Will, I guess that is just a little bit of a nice callback character build moment between the two. I'm less upset about that than I am that we never got an explanation between their conversation in season two, um, episode two. It feels like maybe it's their way of having a conclusion for the two characters relationship as minor as it was. I can't think of any other explanation as cripples, bastards and broken things yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Hey everyone. Sorry to interrupt. This is a preview of our full review of game of Thrones season eight, episode four of the last of the Starks here on the next best series podcast, part of the next best picture podcast, part of next best picture.com. In order to subscribe for the full review you will have to head on over to our patreon channel for one dollar minimum a month you can get this along with other exclusive podcast content from us be sure to subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud google play stitcher tune in player fm acast Castbox, and also on spotify once again patreon next best picture one dollar you get this review and other exclusive content including movie reviews theater conversations, more television episode reviews, and more. Thank you once again so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. I cannot give you back your homes or restore your dead to life, but perhaps I can give you justice in the name of our king. something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.